Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Right now, very happy to welcome into the studio Jonathan DeBurke and Butler to take a look at some news stories from around the world. Jonathan, how are you today? Tom, how are you getting on? Good. I have to just mention Charles Darwin before we carry on because yes. I found his entry very modern. I didn't think I didn't think people from you know a century and a half ago would be waking up saying I am very poorly today, I'm very stupid, and I hate everybody and everything. It sounds like something your nine year old would say. So it's nice to know that, that Charles Darwin, the the father of evolutionary theory felt similar thoughts. Absolutely. And, and it would be interesting to know what he would have used Twitter for if he was able to... I, would have, I think he would have tweeted the same thing. He probably I'm very have. poorly today, yeah. very stupid. I hate everyone and everything. Um, we're starting this this week in Morocco. Morocco, yes. This is a Moroccan uh, internet user um, who has been sentenced to five years in jail for criticising the king. Now, this is a man by the name of Saeed Boukyoud who was actually working and living in Qatar at the end of 2020, when he committed this alleged crime. Now, I'll give you a t- small bit of context, right? So back at the back in 2020, the USA were putting together an initiative called the Abraham Accords. You might remember them. This was basically trying to normalise relation bet- relations between Arab countries and Israel, right? So it started off the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Sudan, and then Morocco all recognised Israel, and its legitimacy, and that meant the normalisation of international relations. Of course, not everybody was happy about that. And this particular man, the 48-year-old, was in Qatar and he decided to put up a post on Facebook, right, criticising the Moroccan government for this particular move. Now, because officially the king of Morocco is the person who looks after foreign affairs, this was interpreted by authorities in Morocco as being an insult to the king. And under their less majestic rules, right, yep. these, you know, rules against monarchies, um, you can be sent to prison for that, right? So they opened a case. Uh, they brought him back from Qatar, would you believe? And last week, they sentenced the man to five years in jail for these Facebook posts, Holy which were moly. deleted. And he yep. dropped the page and everything. And he said, sorry, but they still sent him to prison. And that's even off the back the fact that he should have only been sent to prison for between six months and two years. That's what the the article in the penal code that relates to this particular crime says. But if the offence is committed publicly, which this was done because it, it was to be. published on Facebook, yeah. it can be extended to five years. Very heavy handed. Very heavy handed indeed. And uh, as you can imagine, his lawyers come out and said that it's very harsh and incomprehensible and he has launched an appeal. So hopefully for this poor man... Um, that will, appeal will be listened to and you yeah. might uh, at least get a reduced sentence. It does sound like an opportunity to remind everybody uh, that you don't say anything. That does sound that way, doesn't yes, it? Yes, yeah, because there'll be a lot of people going to uh, going on holidays tomorrow yeah. and the like and uh, yeah, keep your mouth shut when it comes to the king anyway. It's, it's very, uh, we've been there, we've been there on holiday. Yeah, um, yeah, I've been there and you've been there. And, yeah, and yeah. I've loved it. And it's a great place. And you do have this kind of sense of what kind of country is this and, and you're very aware of the king, his presence is huge, yeah, but it's yeah. also quite western facing in loads of ways it's it's very laid back in lots of ways and then but at the same time you've also got to uh, make sure you don't put your put your foot wrong that's I'd for sure. say there's an awful lot of people deleting their, their uh, <laughs> social media history <laughs> in Morocco as, as we speak oh that's a dreadful uh, story um, meanwhile this story in Sweden there's a few little layers to this isn't there 
There is, and and I suppose the initial story stands out in that it involves Eritreans who are living in Sweden uh, mainly. I, I, just again, a little bit of context. There's about forty five, forty six thousand Eritreans living in Sweden, right? Seems so like a huge number. It's, it's a it's a lot, okay. And they're and they're the people, uh, only the people who have uh, who were born in Eritrea. So the ones that are counted as migrants. There's probably more than that who are part of the diaspora, if you like. Now Eritrea is been uh, an independent country for about 30 years right so it was it was under the the rule of Ethiopia for years and as you know uh, it's a very um, repressive regime there right um so you get a lot of people leaving uh because they don't want to end up in the army basically um so an awful lot of them as i said have gone up to sweden and it's a bit strange because you've got people there who obviously support the government and then there are other people there who don't support the government, right? Now, every year since the 1990s, there's been an Eritrea-themed cultural festival in a a suburb of Stockholm, right? Now, this year, there was trouble at it when anti-government protests, that's anti-Eritrean government protesters, about a thousand of them, broke a police cordon. So obviously the police were expecting some sort of trouble and they went in and they burnt uh, booths and vehicles and caused trouble. There was 52 people injured, between 100 and 200 people were arrested and it's uh, something that looks very bad for the community in Sweden and in Stockholm. Um, But as I said, there is deep-seated antagonism between Eritreans in Sweden, those that support the government and those that absolutely hate them. Yeah. So it's in many ways, it's not surprising. And there has been trouble before uh, in in Sweden relating to this particular cohort. It's funny, when you see the story, you think it's people um, are reacting, Swedish people are reacting mm. against the Eritreans and, and saying, you know, what are you doing here? And in reality, it's Eritreans amongst themselves. It is Eritreans amongst themselves. But your initial point there is well made because the reaction from... Sweden will uh, and Swedish people will be interesting to see. I mean, the Minister for Justice came out, and I'll quote him if you don't mind, and said it's not reasonable for Sweden to be drawn into other countries' domestic conflicts in this way. And it's a fair point. And he said, if you flee Sweden to escape violence, you must not cause violence here. Yeah, that's a fair point. And and he, you know, Sweden is at a bit of a crossroads at the moment. You know, you've got the Swedish Democrats who are a right-wing party who have 73 seats in Parliament, right, they're actually part of a confidence and supply deal with the government, which is kind of centre-right already. So, you know, they could do without yeah. this kind of thing, you know, or else you're going to see a major tilt to the right. And this just adds fuel to the fire. Very good. Um, we go over to this story of uh, the helicopter, which has been found languishing in a kind of theme park place, isn't it? But which has this really dark history behind yeah, it. Yeah, it's a very interesting story. You'll you'll know about uh, General uh, Pinochet, who, of course, was the head of the dictatorship in Chile from 1973 to 1990, right? One of his tricks or or terrorism tricks, I suppose, that he used to do very much like what they did in Argentina and Uruguay as well, was basically bring opponents up in a plane or a helicopter, drug them and fling them into the Pacific Ocean uh, or into lakes and rivers. Um, And the first known death flight that happened happened in October of 1973 when three of his opponents were put on a helicopter, a Puma with the registration H255, were flown over the Pacific and were, were flung into it. And they've never been found, right? And nobody's ever been prosecuted uh, for this particular crime. Now, years later, obviously, Pinochet was gone in 1990. About 10 or 12 years later, the Chilean government began to come to terms with what had gone on before. And there was people looking for justice and, and there's been a lot of campaigners. But there were those in the military who, of course, 
didn't want to be found. Yeah, naturally, yeah. And so they started getting rid of evidence. And one piece of evidence that they got rid of was this Puma H255, which we now discovered, or which we have now found out, was sold to a UK company in around about 2003, was used in 2005 at a few air shows. Then there's a kind of a gap of the history where we know that the uh, helicopter was broken up and a man who owns a company called Dog Tag Airsoft in Sussex, in a pine forest yeah. in Fus- Sussex, took delivery of it in November of t- 2014 and he kind of uses it as a centrepiece uh, for one of his... Um, Airsoft games, you know, the, yeah. the shooting games that they, they, they play in these forests, right? Um, and he, that's where it is now. Uh, and it's a piece and it's of evidence. And it's the actual it's one. actual one. It's not yeah. just the same model or no, anything. No, it's it's the same model. It's H255. is the registration on the first one. And it was used in the first known death flight oh in Chile. So obviously campaigners are looking for this to be returned to Chile not because they think it can be used as evidence because it's been stripped and, and yeah. the flight logs are all gone, but they want to probably use it as some sort of a memorial. But I think it's the fact that even that's been used as a centrepiece for a games park is probably mm. what, what galls them the most. Uh, it's fascinating. It'd be a real visual there. reminder for it what went be. on Absolutely. and uh, kind of never forget. Well, what, was anyone ever charged? Does anyone ever go to jail in these things? So the person that we think was, uh, and one of the accused, uh, who was the person who piloted that first flight, he was sentenced to 20 years in prison for participating in other execution campaigns. Now, Chile, um, in comparison to Argentina, has been very, very slow to send people from that time into in, into into prison, like the the Argentinians are kind of brilliant at it. Like okay. I mean, they're sending eighty five year olds and ninety year olds. They don't care how old they are. They're showing no leniency to prison. But in Chile, they're a little bit slower around that. Um, so they have a bit more to do in that regard. It is complicated enough, isn't it? Because they would argue that there was, in their eyes, a war going on, and these were just participants in a war and soldiers doing what they were being told to do, and all that kind of. We've heard it a thousand times. Yeah, but you can see, you can see that side. For Absolutely. Right then. Oh my God! For those who smoke and are thinking of emigrating to Canada to continue <laughs> their smoking in peace in Canada. Well, Canada's coming for you, aren't they? They sure are. Um, There's no getting away from the warning, uh, the warnings in Canada, that's for sure. So Canada will be the first nation to start printing warnings directly onto individual cigarettes. So they're going to put it around the filter, basically saying... That is incredible. Cigarettes cause cancer. Poison in every puff. So, puff. so when you take it Poison out... Poison in every puff. Yeah, it's a good one. It is a good and, one. And you look down at the filter, you go to light it up, you're going to see these warnings uh, yeah. at you from now on. And the legislation kind of actually comes into effect arty movie that tries to have people smoking and are trying to remember the good old it, days. I suppose of, it'll have it in there. See, Poison in every puff yeah, yeah, coming yeah. at you. My did you, God. Did you ever smoke? Never, no. No, you didn't no, I did. always thought at some stage you might get the call up to Man United, you know. Yeah, It absolutely. never came, but I, I wanted to make sure smoking wasn't going to be what stood in my way, um, thankfully. Yeah, uh, no, I, I was a smoker for did, years, but I, I quit you? 10 years ago. Best thing I ever did. How, do, how Was it hard to quit? Not particularly. Oh, so right. I got bored of them. Okay, yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, I know a few people with a very similar stuff. The, the, it's not just that they, in Canada, they seem to really push the boat out on trying they, to stop you smoking, don't they? They do, yeah. The, the next thing that they're going to do is they're going to put warnings on the inside of the packages as well. Um, so they're really going to town on smokers here. Now, you know, they point out that, you know, smoking continues uh, continues to kill about 48,000 Canadians every year. Right. And wow. people, rates of smoker age 15 and over is about 10%. So that's still, high. I'd say it is high it enough. It seems yeah, high, doesn't it? I'd say it is high yeah. enough. 
Uh, and they want to get that down to 5%. Even that seems high. Yeah. Yeah. God, yeah. by, by 2035. Fair play to them. Um, the rate of smokers aged 15 years or over is 10%. Mm-hmm. My word. And I'd love to know, is there a difference between the French-speaking parts and the English-speaking parts? You think parts the French-speaking actually? parts are going to smoke I more, do you? I think they're going to smoke more. I'd yeah. say you're going to be proven right. Anyone there can <laughs> shine a light. 53106 is the text number. This story, the Somalian athlete uh, using the word very loosely there. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah I, it's entertaining. The story I can relate to. Yes, yeah, she, <laughs> she's not going to be a world beater uh, in athletics anyway. Um, I did put out a tweet of the video of the actual race. I don't know if you've seen it. No. At DeBurka Butler. So you can have a look at it there. It's ridiculous. God love her. Um, she was sent to the World University Games in China and she entered into this 100 metres race. It was only a qualifier. Yeah. She completed it in 20 seconds. Now you might say, she's, oh, that's quite fast. <laughs> but when you consider that the winner came in at 11 seconds, right? Uh, it's really not fast at all. And when you look at the video, it's even worse, God lover. This is 20-year-old Nazra Abukar Ali, who was selected to compete in this one, women's 100 metres and it's caused a storm and major embarrassment back in Somalia. So the sports minister... Were they known to be relatively fast movers? Well, they know, are. The yeah, they'd, be more, they'd be more known for their uh, long distance running, yeah. I think, really, rather than sprinting. No slouches. But, but uh, God, it, it would have been fairly evident to anybody who, who, who saw her even lining out that, you know, she probably wasn't the and fittest. Is there a bit of, uh, is there a, bit of a, a story as to how she may have come to be there? Well, this is the problem. Uh, the sports minister on Wednesday ordered the chairwoman of the National Track and Field Federation to be suspended because there is a suspicion that she was related to the athlete and may well have sent her over to these games as some sort of a favour, but we really don't know. <laughs> There's sound, an investigation. It doesn't been sound lost. like it was much of a favour. It is reminding me of the story of Mary McAvoy. He used to give advice uh, on this station uh, years ago. He took part in a marathon in France mm-hmm. and she was running in it and they came to her at the end and said, look, Mary, we're closing the town. We want to reopen the streets. The, the marathon is over. Can you just stop? And she was going, I'm not finished yet. <laughs> and they said, well, we can't wait. And did she finish? We can't wait. I think they did. They did make an exception for her. Uh, things to look for, uh, keep an eye on in the coming days. Yeah, I, there's primaries in Argentina, which are kicking off. For, uh, and it's more to point out that there's going to be general elections there coming up in October. Uh, two years, on the 15th of August, it'll be two years since the Taliban uh, oh, took gosh. over in Afghanistan again and the Edinburgh Festival is is running uh, until the 27th of August so that started just a few days ago and then I suppose the big news to watch out for in Africa is the developments in Niger uh, now we haven't covered it on this slot basically because it's been covered very well yeah. internationally which is quite surprising uh, to be honest uh-huh. with you but it's about time but it is a very worrying situation and it's something that is going to affect everybody in Europe directly so you need to keep an eye on it. Very good. Jonathan, thank you very much for that, John DeBurke Butler. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm with Anna Glaze on News Talk.